Welcome to More Than Medicine, where Jesus is more than enough for the ills that plague our culture and our country. Hosted by author and physician, Dr. Robert Jackson, with his wife, Carlotta, and daughter, Hannah Miller. So listen up, because the doctor is in. Welcome to More Than Medicine. I'm your host, Dr. Robert Jackson, sharing with you biblical insights and stories from the country doctor's rusty, dusty scrapbook. Well, today I have a very special guest in the studio with me here today. His name is Dr. Matt Clark. Matt, welcome into the studio with me today. Robert, my friend, it's great to be with you, brother. Well, I'd like for you to tell my, my audience a little bit about yourself. Um, tell them who you are, what you do, and where you live, and a little bit about your family, and all of those kind of things, so they'll know a little bit about you. Oh, I'd love to. You know, if you talk about my family, I'll take up the whole time, Robert. you got to watch out. <laughs> You're right about that. <laughs> Matt, Matt's right. a kindred spirit when it comes to family. That's right. That's right. Well, Robert, like yourself, I'm a medical doctor. I'm an allergist. Uh, my family and I live in Edgefield, South Carolina. I have 11 children and the best, best wife in the world. 11 children? Um, Don't you know where children come from? Brother, children are a blessing from the Lord without Amen. exception. Amen, brother. <laughs> without, without exception. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, we we, uh, we have a big family. We stay very busy uh, over here in Edgefield and uh, work as an allergist. I'm also an ordained uh, minister in the Presbyterian Church. And uh, I'm also the executive director of Personhood South Carolina. Uh, seeking to establish equal legal protection for every boy and girl in South Carolina, beginning at conception and without exception. Well, now my listening audience knows why you and I, our hearts beat as one. Well, the Lord said, love your neighbor as yourself, and there's no exceptions to that to that law that he gave to us. And that, to me, really kind of simplifies this whole topic that we're discussing right now with this abortion bill, Robert. Well, tell tell my audience a little bit about the bill that was dis, that was uh, discussed in the South Carolina House today. House Bill uh, uh, fifty three ninety nine. There you go. I was getting ready to say that, but you beat me to it. <laughs> go go ahead. Yeah. Tell tell our audience a little bit about the bill and what transpired in the House today. House fifty three ninety nine uh, bill is the South Carolina Human Life Protection Act, and it's a bill that if uh, passed, will uh, offer legal protection to babies beginning at conception. And up until today, it would have been without exception. It came out of the ad hoc committee and out of the judiciary committee with no exceptions. And so it's a, a very solid bill acknowledging that life begins at conception and deserves to be protected. And sadly, um, many Republicans... Uh, acted like Democrats yesterday and uh, used their uh, majority ability uh, on that on that topic. They used their ability because uh, they got more numbers to force exceptions into the bill yesterday. And what which exceptions, which exceptions are we talking about now? Yeah, so the exception that was added was an exception for uh, if the child, if the, if the baby boy or baby girl is, is conceived as a result of rape, and if uh, that a mother comes to uh, kill her child uh, before 12 weeks, 
then and she has to report there's there's a reporting requirement as well then it is legal to kill that child according to this bill if this bill passes now i'm understanding it's rape or incest is that right correct okay now there's no exceptions for handicapped children is that my understanding? Correct. Okay. That is correct, but I'm hearing rumors that they're going to try to add that in the Senate, Robert. Okay. Well, I, you never know what's going to happen in the Senate. That's a hard-hearted group of men there. Mm. Now, mm. the reporting requirement is on the the onus is on the abortion doctor. He's the one that has to report that to the authorities. Am I understanding that correctly? Yeah, the doctor has to report it. Um, that's right, Richard. When the uh, the pregnant woman tells the doctor the doctor has a requirement to um, to report that. Well, that's like the fox guarding the hen house, in my opinion. Yeah, it's um, it's a weak thing. Uh, you know, it's 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 grievous uh, that this language was added. And um, these Republican House reps who did this, they're not just confused, they're deceived. And in fact, they have forfeited the right to govern, and uh, all thinking, all biblically thinking South Carolinians need to make it their goal to, to vote these folks out. Now, why do you say that? Go, tell, us, tell my audience why you're saying that. Well, Robert, if you think about it, the duty of an elected official is to secure the rights, to secure the rights that are granted in our Constitution. Our elected officials are usurping, they are acting illegitimately when they determine which human beings get to have human rights. They're acting outside the bounds of their authority. And in fact, they're probably they're probably uh, breaking um, federal statutes regarding um, civil rights. Uh, there, there may be civil rights actions coming. Uh, against this bill and other bills like it because they are discriminating against an entire class of human beings. I understand that. And see, I, it's, I submit that it's tyrannical when a group of people determine that, that a whole subset of the population does not have a right to life, does not deserve to live. That's what That's right. tyrannical rulers do in third world countries, not in America. That's right. And, and it just, to me, it's not the responsibility of duly elected representatives in a representative republic to determine who gets to live and who gets to die. Their responsibility is to protect the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. That's their primary responsibility not saying that an entire subset of the population should die for no reason other than the fact that they were born in a mother's womb. Well, that's right. I mean, these elected officials do not have the right to give permission for citizens within their jurisdiction to be murdered. And that's what these elected officials have done. They have given permission for murder within their jurisdiction, and they don't have the right to do that. They have forfeited the right to govern and all of South Carolina needs to awaken and realize that the exceptions conversation isn't just about the half percent, which are real human beings, real lives that are going to be snuffed out as a result of this. 
And these elected officials participated in snuffing those lives out if these exceptions get left in the bill and if someone does kill their child as a result of that exception. These individuals are guilty. They're a part of that chain of guilt. They've made themselves a part of that chain of guilt. And what we need to see is they've also demonstrated that they do not know how to think as statesmen or stateswomen. They have shown themselves unable to comprehend their primary duty, and it will infiltrate everything else they think about. Every other bill, every other law they think about, they're putting themselves above the law instead of putting the law above themselves. Well, now, you were telling me that you had commissioned a survey that surveyed I think you told me it was folks most likely to vote in a Republican primary. Share share with our listeners some of the results of that survey. Right. So Personhood commissioned a survey, uh, reached out to 800 South Carolinians, uh, known Republican primary voters, and asked them some simple questions. And we wanted to we wanted to find out what primary or GOP primary voters were thinking. Well, 87 percent agree that the right to life begins at conception, okay? Uh, 95% agree with protecting the life of the mother in the bill, which this, which this bill does. 65% agree with protecting the life of that child, uh, even if conceived as a result of rape or incest. And 77% uh, agree with protecting the life of that little boy or little girl, uh, even if he or she has a physical problem, some of which could be severe. So these numbers are going to demonstrate problems to these GOP, um, well, these uh, these rhinos, these Republicans acting like Democrats. Uh, If folks will rise up and primary them on this issue, they're going to have a hard time. Uh, And so I think we need to see that they forfeited the right to govern and uh, people need to go out and uh, and get involved in the primaries. And we've already had our primary season, so that's already behind us. So everything I'm saying to you right now is has nothing to do with the current election. Uh, everything or everything right now has to do with future election of the House reps. Uh, can I list these? Can I list these uh, 25 who voted for these uh, the exceptions? Sure, go ahead and list them. These our listeners want to know who these folks are. Bailey, Blackwell, Bryant, Caskey, Felder, Gatch, Lowe, Weston, Newton, Wooten, Valentine, Bradley, Bustos. Cogswell, Finley, Hickson, McGinnis, Taylor, Bannister, Britton, Carter, Collins, Forrest, Hyde, Moss, and White. These are the 25 House GOP members that are acting like Democrats and deserve to uh, be voted out. Well, I, I encourage our listeners who may be in any of these guys' districts to take it upon themselves to see that they're not reelected and to do whatever it can to to go and educate them about pro-life issues and the need to protect the life of every unborn citizen in the state of South Carolina. And if they're not willing to do that, then they need to be voted out of office. The primary right is the right to life. That's right. And every every life, every life must be protected. Well, now, if folks are going to euthanize an unborn citizen, what does that say about 
citizens that are born or citizens that are elderly, Dr. Clark? Robert, the argument is that a woman who has experienced the horrible trauma of being raped is going to be helped, is going to be assisted, that her healing process is going to be accelerated if she goes and has her baby killed. And so the idea is that it's okay for her to kill her baby because it's going to help her not suffer as much. Okay, now, we know, Robert, you and I both know from the data that that's actually the big lie in the room. That's right. These poor, these poor women are being lied to. It does not bring healing into their lives when they go and kill their children. It actually brings trauma into their lives. To, to recover from being a rape victim, become a, becoming a violent killer does not help you recover from being a rape victim. We have to punish the rapist and help the mothers through this with proper counseling, help, and assistance through the whole process. So outside the womb, We've already agreed inside the womb, if it's going to lead to so much suffering for the woman, then you can kill that child. So why won't we then start arguing outside the womb if this person requires so much suffering, so much trouble for the family, then we can kill this person outside the womb as well. It's it's a one-to-one analogy. The only difference is one argument is inside the womb and the other is outside the womb. Exactly right. I mean, what, what kind of magic occurs when a child passes through the uh, birth canal, that suddenly that child should be protected. Whereas when inside the womb, that child has no right to life whatsoever. It doesn't make any sense, does it, brother? There's no logical sense there at all. Now, I understand that you had another poll that was taken, uh, commissioned by another organization. What, what was that about? Uh, Same questions, except these are statewide questions to uh, all responders. So if you live in South Carolina, they asked you this question, uh, and the questions were the same. And this is bad news for our side. Um, Do you agree that life begins at conception, that every unborn baby has an unalienable right to life? 44% said yes, and 45% said no. This is in our state, Robert. This is in our state where um, polls will tell you, Around 75% of people in our state are going to say they're Christians. And and they've missed out on the very first basic Christian ethic, which is to love your neighbor as yourself. And you couple that with the reality that life begins at conception and that all life is made by God in his image and that God never makes mistakes. These people are not thinking and acting like Christians. They're, they're thinking and acting like pagans. Do you, do you agree that every unborn baby should be protected by law, even if conceived as a result of rape or incest? Listen now, 60% in our state say no. 20, only 25% say yes, Robert. That's 60% of the people in a state that's supposedly 70 to 75% Christian. And now the question about uh, fetal anomalies. Uh, 51% say no, they should not be protected. Uh, even if, it's, uh, if he or she has physical problems, some of which could be severe. Should they be protected? Fifty point one—that's fifty-one percent say no. Only thirty-four percent. That, that say. just hurts my heart because I have two special needs boys. That it, that's right. Their their anomalies could have been detected prenatally, and their lives could have been snuffed out by abortion if some of these folks had known about that. They could have insisted that my wife and I have an abortion, 
and destroyed their life before they were born. And yep. yet we know what my sons are like. We know what a delight they are and how precious their life is to our family. And I, it's just something that, Matt, I, I don't understand. I really cannot comprehend. Well, Robert, how, how did we get to where we are? You know, how did we get to where we are where you've got 51% of the people in our state saying it's okay to kill a child if they're too sick or disabled? Uh, and uh, 60% of the people in our state saying it's okay to, to kill an innocent little boy or girl based on the circumstances surrounding its conception. And yet, supposedly, around 75% of the people in our state are Christians. How do we get to this spot? I'll tell you how we got here, Robert. We got here because we left our Bibles closed. And, and we need to point the finger where it deserves to be pointed. Number one, we've got to get our children out of these godless, pagan, hell-going schools. The government schools must be abandoned by Christians. I call for all Christians to get their kids out of the government schools because they are teaching their kids how to love the world and how to think like pagans instead of thinking like Jesus Christ wants us to think. That's the first thing. we got to get our kids out of those schools. Secondly, we've got to make sure our children are receiving a Christian education, which means a biblical education from sunup to sundown. All the day long, whether it's homeschooling or whether it's a good Christian school, we've got to take back what is rightfully ours as Christians, which is the education of our children and give them the word of God day in and day out. And finally, we've got to call pastors. That was a charge to parents, Robert. But we've got to call pastors to speak this message from the pulpit. Pastors need to stand up and tell their congregants, you know what, guys? It's bad for your children to have them in these government schools. Your children are being discipled into the ways of hell, not into the ways of the Lord Jesus Christ. And you need to get your children into an educational setting where they're learning the word of God day in and day out with joy and gladness in the context of rejoicing in Christ's love, Christ's death for us, Robert. If we can get back to that, then in the next couple of generations, we can actually see these numbers turn around. It should be no surprise to parents when they send them to Caesar's school that at the end of the day, when they're done, they come out looking and sounding like Romans. That's right. You send them to Caesar's school and they do what Caesar says. That's right. They will. And, you know, it's our responsibility as parents primarily to disciple our children in the way of the cross, to give our children a biblical education. And if parents do not take it upon themselves to teach their children the scriptures, to disciple their children in the scriptures, and to teach them to think biblically. We're not going to raise a generation that chooses to walk in the way of the word. We're not going to raise a generation that knows how to choose life when it comes to difficult circumstances. I've told my children, I've told my church congregation over and over that, that people so often, when it comes to difficult choices, they, they make their decisions based on their circumstances rather than on the Holy Scriptures. Their theology right. is based on their circumstances rather than on the Word of God. And that's why you get a poll like this, Dr. Clark, where 50% of people will choose to kill an unborn child in a difficult circumstance rather than choosing a sanctity of life ethic. That's right. That's right. We have to remember 
that the Lord Jesus Christ died on the cross for us, and he called us to take up our cross and follow him. And until we learn to do that in real life every single day, then it will always be uh, the choice to um, take the easy path, take the easy path. And in this situation, the easy path is to kill the child. And that's not what these women need. That's not what these babies need. Every abortion has two victims. The mother brings extra pain and suffering into her life when she kills her own child. And, of course, the, uh, only one patient comes out of the abortion mill. That's right. And even then, even then, not every time. If, um, I, if I could recommend a book to my to our listeners is a book called Forbidden Grief. It's written by Reardon and Burke, and it's the largest survey slash study of post-abortion uh, patients ever conducted. And it details the emotional, psychological consequences of women who have had abortions. And the book is absolutely astounding in terms of the number of suicides, the amount of depression, uh, the amount of marital breakups, all the amazing consequences of abortion that take place in women who are post-abortive. And the book is called Forbidden Grief, and the reason is, is nobody wants to talk about it. Nobody wants to admit the consequences psychologically and emotionally in women who have had abortions. Now, let me make a comparison here. I worked for 14 years in a, a behavioral health uh, ward in a local hospital, a large local hospital. And it was routine to ask women who came into the hospital if they'd ever been sexually abused because everybody understands the psychological impact. But nobody ever asked these women if they'd ever had an abortion. It was forbidden to ask them that. But I know and you know, Dr. Clark, that there are devastating psychological consequences of an abortion in the life of women. But for 14 years, when I did the intake interview, I would often ask my patients if they'd ever had an abortion. And they would look at me with shock and dismay, and they would say, how did you know that that would have such an impact on my life? And I would say, ma'am, I did not know, but I'm just asking. But they would freely admit to me that not only the sexual abuse, but the previous abortion had a serious psychological effect on their lives. The book is entitled Forbidden Grief. It's by Reardon and Burke, and I highly recommend it because just like Dr. Clark says, there are two patients, the woman and the child, and the psychological impact of an abortion is underestimated in our culture. All right, let me ask you another question, Dr. Clark. This bill is going to the Senate. What can we do to influence the thinking of our senators going forward? Well, we're never going to give up. We're always going to keep loving our neighbors as ourselves. And so we need to reach out to the Senate Medical Affairs Committee, uh, the Republican members of that committee. You can go to the State House and uh, see who those members of the Senate Medical Affairs Committee are, the Republicans. And they need to hear from you. They need to hear you tell them to take these egregious exceptions out of H. 
5399. That bill is going before the Medical Affairs Committee in the Senate this next week, probably Tuesday. And between now and then, I hope all your listeners will pick up their telephones, will get on their computers, and will send multiple messages to all of the Republican members of that committee and say, get rid of these egregious exceptions. Protect every life. In fact, they should say, vote like a Republican instead of instead of a Democrat, because I don't know if your listeners know it, Robert, but the South Carolina GOP platform explicitly calls for the protection of all life. It does. The vigorous, vigorous protection. It does. And so tell them to vote like Republicans. Yep. Call the call the Senate Medical Affairs Committee where the bill will appear. Well, it, they've already heard testimony. In fact, I testified there and. Uh, my daughter testified there. My daughter works as an ultrasonographer for a crisis pregnancy center, and she uh, presented her testimony there as well as I did. And so I would encourage our listeners to call them uh, and, and let them uh, understand how you feel about uh, this bill and that you don't want them to include any exceptions. And then pray. Brothers and sisters, pray every day. God's ear is not Amen. so dull that he cannot hear. His arm is not so short and withered that he cannot save. God hears our prayers, and he is able to change the hearts of these legislators just as easily as he changes the hearts of kings, as easily as he changes the heart, the, the river as it rushes from the mountains to the sea. Uh, so do not be negligent in praying. Uh, for our legislators, that God would influence their hearts. Pray that He would bind the strong man of abortion that has stood over the the heart of the 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 legislator in the halls of legislation in South Carolina for so many years. That He would bind and crush the strong man. Now, Matt, we only have about two and a half minutes left before our time is up. Do you have any parting comments that you would like to share with our audience? I think folks need to act now for this bill, but I think folks need to also really understand that we live in a pagan culture. We do not live in a Christian culture. We live in a post-Christian culture, and the only way to see our culture restored to a place of security and prosperity and true equity is through Christians living like Christians loving their Bible, studying their Bible, reading their Bible, memorizing Scripture, meditating on Scripture, studying Scripture, singing Scripture, hearing Scripture, having Scripture preached to them, building their lives on the Word of God, and doing that and planning on generational progress. Robert, we've got to have a long-term view to have victory victory in this. I plan on, God willing, staying in this fight until I, I quit breathing, and uh, hopefully there'll be a lot of folks around to take up the baton and uh, take it to the next level on the next generation. Well, thank you, Dr. Clark. I appreciate you being our guest today on More Than Medicine. Uh, I would also like to encourage my listening audience to get a copy of my book, The Family Doctor Speaks, The Truth About Life. You can acquire a copy of that from Amazon or from Barnes & Noble. You can also uh, send an email message to Jackson Family Ministry, and my wife will be more than glad to mail you a copy of that. The cost is $15. Uh, it's a primer on the pro-life issues. We discuss all of the hard cases and what's the biblical and medical perspective on the hard cases. 
If you get a copy of it and read it, you will be able to discuss intelligently all the very difficult issues that confront us as pro-lifers. I strongly encourage you to get a copy of The Family Doctor Speaks, The Truth About Life. My guest today has been Dr. Matt Clark, physician, pro-lifer, family man, uh, and also a pastor. Dr. Clark, thank you for your time. My pleasure, Robert. I appreciate being with you, brother. All right. You've been listening to More Than Medicine. I'm your host, Dr. Robert Jackson. Thank you for listening to this edition of More Than Medicine. For more information about the Jackson Family Ministry, Dr. Jackson's books, or to schedule a speaking engagement, Go to their Facebook page, Instagram, or their webpage at jacksonfamilyministry.com. This podcast is produced by Bob Sloan Audio Production at bobsloan.com.